What's up, guys? This is uh, the Cardinals 2021 Draft Special Mini Pod presented by Kusen Hans from the Dry Heat Podcast. Yeah, as always, brought to you by our unofficial official sponsor, Canadian Miss. And this this episode has a special, special sponsor. Thanks to uh, Alex Pre-Pod Pump C4. Shout out to Blue Raspberry C4 for sponsoring the pod today. How are you feeling, big dog? Dude, that C4 is still coursing through my veins right now, tingling every muscle in my body. Absolutely, dude. I, I believe it. I believe it. You know, when the C4 game first came out, it was wild. And, you know, it's cooled down the Jets a little bit, but I, I'm sure that you were uh, railing the C4. So, you know, it goes straight to the bloodstream faster, you know. Respect. Honestly, dude, pumping for the boys because, like, you never know when your boys are going to need some backup and just no questions asked. I got to be ready for that. Absolutely. I mean, all I got to do is all, – all Alec ever has to do is just flex on them, and then it's game over. That's it. Once they see the uh, tricep pop, it's – that's it. Dude, that's, that's very nice of you, but honestly, I think it's more the beard. The beard does the heavy lifting. Does it? It's a weapon. Absolutely. I do respect the beard game. I do respect the beard game. Just like I respect the Cardinals draft, baby. So let's yeah. get into it. Let's get into it. Uh, you know, we'll keep this light and sweet and short and beautiful. Uh, you know, Steve Kahn coming off a spectacular offseason, signing big free agents, obviously. J.J. Watt, A.J. Green, just to name a few. Uh, but definitely some glaring holes still in the defense. And you so, can tell that he knew that because we drafted a ton of defensive players. I mean, it was a very defense-heavy draft, but definitely need some more support there. So I wasn't surprised that we ended up taking two cornerbacks in this draft. Yeah, I mean, 100%. I mean, like, obviously there's guys that are just, like, can't miss prospects. But at the same time, the only thing that matters is winning and championships. And so, like, that's cool if you got an A draft, but – how many rings did you get in the next 10 years is definitely what's more important. Or how many games did you win is definitely more important here. Uh, so without further ado, the Arizona Cardinals, round one, number 16 overall, Zavin Collins, linebacker Tulsa, 6'5", 260-pounder. Thoughts? I actually really like this pick. Um, the dude has won multiple defensive awards, and he was the – American Conference Defensive Player of the Year last year. He just looks like an absolute tank out there. I actually watched a fair amount of American Conference. I had a lot of them in uh, some of my parlays this year. So I got to see him on the field a few times, and he definitely impressed me. And I think what I like the most about this pick is that it wasn't reaching for that cornerback hole to fill when there wasn't a good one available at that position, if that makes sense. Like the best cornerback you could have gotten earlier, like a certain is already gone. So there's no, there's no need to waste your pick there. You can get a cornerback later. So I really like this pickup. I think it's going to help the defense a lot. And I kind of want to see him, you know, have a role right away. I know rookies don't always get to play, but I I would like to see him have a role and maybe helping the Cardinals get off the field on third down every now and then. Yeah. See, like that was my big thing with the drafting of a linebacker in the first round is I was just like, I, this story with Steve Kime drafting linebackers in the first round is hilarious. It's just hilarious. Like I, the stat is like 
within our last seven first round picks, five of them have been linebackers or something crazy like that or like whatever. But basically, Steve kind of just likes drafting linebackers. And so initially, I was just like, okay, sick. Hassan Reddick 2.0. Like Hassan Reddick definitely came into his own last year. You know, whether or not it was just taking advantage of an opportunity or if he really got good as a player, we will never know. Obviously, no longer on the team. So initially, I was just like, this pick literally sucks. Steve Kahn literally, literally can't draft. Why didn't we just go get Stefan Gilmore with this pick? Why didn't we just trade for Stefan Gilmore with the first round pick? That's my initial, that was my initial thought. Looking deeper into it, you go check the tape. You know, because Cardinals are just tossing it out there for you. You see, he's 6'5, 259. He's an athletic freak. He runs a 4'7, 40, which is honestly a little slow for a linebacker these days. So I don't necessarily love that. But his three cone drill was really quick, which is more like explosiveness off the ball. So, like, the 4'7, but explosive means that, like, he gets through the first five yards quickly. I guess. I don't know. I think. Whatever. But basically, Collins is really smart, man. He's a really smart dude. Valedictorian in his high school class. He's middle of nowhere, Oklahoma, though. That doesn't mean anything to me. But he makes plays. And I think the combo, Bender made a good point. The combo of him and Isaiah Simmons, uh, linebacker core, uh, is tight. And in fact, in the tape that I saw, all he does is he's a playmaker. He had like a few picks that he ran, turned for touchdowns, which is insane. He also used to play quarterback in high school, which means he has the brain for the game. He knows way more than an average linebacker does. And then three, the comp that I saw was Brian Erlacher. That's bold. And that's very bold and definitely hyperbolic because it was from an ESPN game. But also at the same time, it's like, you know, if he's a Star Wars you know, not a Hall of Fame best linebacker ever, but if he's a stalwart linebacker like Carlos Stansby-esque, that's an A-plus pick in my book. I'm all about it. Yeah, and he, like you said on the playmaking ability, um, I know you didn't love the 4-7 runtime, but you kind of mentioned his explosiveness. The dude hits hard. Like, he can knock the ball loose and knock even some big guys on their ass like it's nothing. Yeah, I do think it's true. I think it's tough, though, grading the guys who don't play uh, power five. Because they, a lot of these guys tend to be a lot bigger than their competition. So a lot of times it's like varsity versus JV, uh, which is definitely prevalent. Like even when you look at like the UCF guy we'll talk about in a sec, it's just like there's normal human beings and then there's power five division one football players. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a fair point. That, and that so Competition's not the same, but. No, but and then he's playing for Tulsa though, and like he. But the one thing I also really did like, which I definitely took notice of, was his best games came against the best competition. So being in the American, they actually they played SMU and Memphis and Tulane, uh, and Tulane. Well, I don't know why I threw that out there, but Memphis and SMU, and then there's a couple other teams. Like Americans always ranked. So long story short, the fact that he plays his best games against the comp- best competition, you like that. You like the brain. You like. The fact that he's big and strong and likes to hit people and he wants to kill people. And that's just what I'm all about in my Mike linebacker. It's the right mindset for a linebacker. Absolutely. We're going to kill people. Like what a, what a psycho. I am all about that. Um, also this, what does this mean for Jordan Hicks though? Is he gone or is he a bench player or is he a fill in? Cause the, 
you know? Yeah, it's a fair point. I, I think it's hard to tell, especially when you got guys that are rookies because Vance Joseph doesn't really like to play rookies very much. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll he'll see actually we get in time, but see, and I think that's that was kind of my other frustration with the point because, like, in my opinion, Steve Kahn, Cliff Kingsbury, no playoffs this year. They don't deserve another year. And so, like, for Steve Kime to be – I guess it's a two-edged sword there. Like, he clearly thinks that Zayman Collins is going to be an impact player, like, game one, because otherwise there's no shot he drafts him. So I think that's positive. But on the flip side, it's like, what are we just going to tell Vance Joseph all of a sudden that he has to play Isaiah Simmons and Zayman Collins? Because if so, I'm about that. Those guys need to be on the, on the field as much as possible. Specifically, Isaiah Simmons. That was like, anytime he was on the field, he made a play. For me, I know you were kind of questioning the linebacker choice in the first round. I'm, I'm not sure how you feel about this, but I am a little more concerned with our second round pick and Rondale Moore from Purdue. He's a wide receiver. He's a short, short king. He's five foot nine, only weighs 180. He's five seven, bro. He's listed at five nine. Yeah, yeah, he's five seven, though. <laughs> but uh, that pick was a very big head scratcher for me. I don't know how you felt about it, but I did not understand that at all. I guess he does play mostly in the slot, so he's a different type of receiver than we got. And it's not like you can ever have, you know, a lack of good good wide receivers and good backups to fill in for different situations and plays, but I just didn't understand that pick very much at all. Uh his his best year was 114 catches of 14 TDs as a freshman when no one really knew where it was because he was on Purdue. So well, TCU actually played Purdue and Rondale Moore, and he had one of his worst games. And it was just because the, everybody keyed in on him because he was literally the only player that he, they had. Uh, biggest thing is his injuries. He, has, he, has, he had like a foot injury that actually kept him out last year. He didn't opt out. Uh, so that's, you know, taking someone with injury proneness who's small – is definitely scary, but real quick, this guy graduated Purdue in two and a half years, and his last semester last year, he took 27 hours, and he took 21 hours every semester at Purdue. Oh, I feel bad for his tutors that are actually taking the classes. I don't know. I mean, maybe, but he seems smart. He was all over the interviews uh, on, like, um, NFL – network and he was on the pat mcafee show too and he was all he was doing all the interviews but he's i don't know i mean he's freaky fast they they compare him to tyreek hill ty hilton is what his comp like his uh, hyperbolic comp was i think he's steve smith old panther spot receiver who's just uh he's a hard runner he he runs fast a few of his highlights from Purdue, he could definitely catch the ball. He's really fast. He's not, he's not afraid to be physical. Um, and he's explosive. So I think that helps with in the air raid offense. But I think he could be awesome. But also, like, I don't really love the pick for the Cardinals either at the same time. Yeah, I, I just don't think it was a really a big need that we had a, a slot wide receiver that basically just mirrors Andy Isabella, hopefully better than Andy nah. Isabella. No, they, he, they, Andy they play the same style of game. They're both just fast, short guys that run the slot routes. Like that, no, we already have that guy. But he's not though. Like he, he's a physical dude. Like uh, the Andy Isabella, he's not Andy Isabella. But it, it does feel like 
he these are second ABs for Hassan Reddick and Isabella, and Isabella for sure. But he's not. He's actually a really good football player. And I feel like the biggest thing with him was if he stay healthy. And then I also wonder, I don't know if this plays into it at all, but does this have any impact on Fitz returning or not? Is this a key into, hey, maybe Fitz isn't coming back. We're going to need another guy that can play inside the seam. Uh, D-Hop and A.J. Green playing more on the outside. I hope that's not the case. I also think it's a huge, huge telling of what Steve Kime thinks of our wide receivers outside of um, DeAndre Hopkins and A.J. Green. I think that's also a massive uh, telling here. Like, just clearly he doesn't think much of uh, anybody else. Yeah, but he drafted them, so... Well, I see that's what my point though. Is like, and that's why it's like talking about it earlier. It's like I I don't get why Kyle values these picks because he's not good at them anyway. But and to the point, like he drafted another one of the, he literally drafted. It's the same mold as Isabella. As previous feelings, yeah. <laughs> Isabella, and then who's the Saguaro kid? I'm blanking. Christian Kirk. Yeah, it's literally yeah. They're so three small guys, but also he's a. He's a crazy kick return, punt return, so he'll have immediate impact in that situation. But now we have a lot of those guys on the offense, and it's just like – which is tight on one hand, but also on the other, it's like we still also have some glaring needs. So, Yeah. Uh, but also was... at the same time, like if you, you don't know the boards that they have because they were like yeah, – he had our alpha bro tag or whatever, and only like four guys had those. And I was like – that's literally the most DUI Steve Kahn thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hope it works out. It was just definitely one of those picks where I – not that I know what's going on in the mind in the in the draft room there, but that was one where I had to scratch my head a little bit. A pick that I am less confused or concerned about, you kind of mentioned, previewed earlier, the Marco Wilson pick. So we actually traded up to get him. We didn't have a fourth or fifth round pick. We we traded up twenty six picks. We traded yeah. up twenty six picks to get him. We yep. traded up to one thirty six from the Ravens to get him. We gave up a, a later pick in this round and then a fourth round for next year. And we took Marco Wilson, a cornerback from Florida. Uh, I actually love this pick a lot because the cornerback position is one we've touched on as a huge glaring issue right now for us. Mm-hmm. A position that needs to be filled. And I think for the potential value that Marco Wilson brings, this is the perfect spot. Um, I think Kime saw him on the board, saw him available in the fourth round. He didn't try to go get a cornerback too early. That would be overvalued. And he made the call to trade up. I usually don't like giving Steve Kime that much power in drafting because, as we've mentioned a million times before, it's definitely not a strong suit. His strong suit is offseason signings and trades. But I actually really like this pick. I like the move. I don't know if Marco Wilson will work out. He played cornerback pretty well at Florida, which is in the SEC, which obviously a tough conference, a lot of competition there. So I, I think his potential is huge. I think he could really help the Cardinals out if he works out. Um, and I think there's really no loss here. Even if he doesn't work out, I don't think you were going to get a much better option in the fourth round anyway. What do you think what, – what sticks out to you like that he has potential? Like what's the big thing for you? I mean, he was just the number one cornerback at Florida, which was a you know arguably a top 15, top 10 team playing in the SEC. So he's going up against the best wide receivers, the Devontae Smith. Jalen Waddle. 
But also yeah. Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, LSU guys. Yeah, I will yeah. say. So Marco Wilson's interesting, obviously known as the guy who threw the shoe, um, which is just hilarious. But it's also, dumb. he's only one of four guys uh, at Florida to ever start at corner as a freshman, which, you know, it's Florida. Like, all Florida does is produce professional athletes. And so to think that he's one only one of four guys ever to play corner, start at corner as a freshman for Florida is like, okay, this guy's kind of different. Um, this guy's six foot, 191. What does that mean to me? He's potentially the X receiver corner, a.k.a. Patrick, the guy that Patrick Peterson was. Uh, his pro day, 26 reps on the bench press. That's 100 percentile, a.k.a. pretty much the top. Six eight three cone, that's 80th percentile above average. Four three seven forty yard dash, forty four inch vertical broad jump, one hundred thirty six inches, ninety ninth percentile. What does that mean? This guy is a freak of nature. Um, I think he he's kind of a knucklehead from what I've seen, but he can also lay the hammer, bro. He has some massive hits, which means he tackles, and so I, I really like the pick also. I really like this pick. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm in total agreement with you there. The shoe-throwing thing was really dumb, so you hate seeing plays like that. But, but also, you also, remember. also hilarious, though, at the same time. I mean, it lost in the game, and it lost me some money, so not that funny. No, but, like, you, but like he threw a shoe. Like, how does that give you a 15-yard penalty or five, whatever the penalty was? I'm, it's just, like, that's where, like, yeah. football kind of loses me with these, like, it's, like, it's funny. Like, no, the, the, rule, the rule is stupid. I agree with you, but you know that that's the rule, so don't do it. Yeah, but he definitely didn't know that that was the rule. As with most, most no, athletes no who play games, there's no shot that he knew that that was in the rule book. There's no way he thought in his mind, like, this is something that's totally innocent that won't even possibly get me flagged. Like, you got to know, like, that. even if you just trash talk someone while they're on the ground, that's enough to get you flagged these days. So throwing a shoe, that's just a... That's a small brain move. That's not a big brain move. That's a smooth brain move is what it is. <laughs> smooth brain. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. But I like him. I think he's a good pick. Uh, round six, baby. Victor Dumukeji from Duke. I love this pick. Yeah. Because he's just a motor. He's just a total motor. And he had actually a ton of pressure. He had 160 pressures in his career at Duke. And he was the lesser-known pass rusher on his team. So, basically, he was just getting the sack stolen from him is what I see there. I, I, so, I didn't know too much about him. Um, I've watched – I watch a fair amount of college football. Duke is not a team I really enjoy watching that much, so I'm not watching every Duke game. But from what I saw and read about him, he's apparently really good, particularly at an inside pass rush, which if you add the – J.J. Watt signing and some of those and Chandler Jones coming back. Um, if he can, if he can help out, even just taking up guys, even if he like you said, if he doesn't get the sack, but is putting the pressure on, forcing people to worry about him, I think it's going to benefit that defense as a whole. And I actually think that he might, obviously, depending on if he ever sees any playing time, but I think he might be the type of player where he's good enough to get to the quarterback on his own, and then you add on top of that having. J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones to worry about, that he might benefit greatly from that and get more opportunities to take the quarterback down. Yeah, like you said, obviously don't know how much he's going to play early. Yeah, but especially the sixth rounder. But 
Well, I even think even off that, but I think the ability to come in and really learn. And I think Marcus Golden's actually a great call because he's kind of he's undersized. He's six three, two sixty five. So like Xavier Collins is literally much bigger than he is, just for example. Um, but this dude had he's on Duke. So like that's something to keep in mind also. It's like you're playing D like the ACC, but you're like the worst team in the ACC. And so like, you know, you're down by a lot or whatever, which definitely allows for them to get more sacks and more opportunities to tackle being at the end. Uh, so that kind of skews the numbers a little bit. But he, I mean, being the second pass rusher on his team, he had 166 tackles, 36 tackles for loss, 21 and a half sacks, one interception, five cross fumbles, three recoveries, three PBUs, and 28 quarterback pressures, all ACC 19, 2019 and 2020. Um, and, I mean, what I see is – Somebody who could come in, learn a lot. He went to Duke, so he's not an idiot. Um, and he's from Baltimore, so I don't know where in Baltimore, but if he's got a little, like, grit in him, that could be a steal in the sixth round. You know, I heard another steal from the sixth round is the Tay Gowan pick. The UCF cornerback that we took after. Yeah. Um, yep. So- yep. He, you'll love this because you're a big uh, Tom Brady homer. But he actually compares himself. He wants to be the Tom Brady of cornerbacks. Picked in the sixth round, overlooked with something to prove. And he thinks he's got the tools to do it. Yeah, I I don't love that he called himself that, though. I think that's that's, – That reminded me of some Josh Rosen ish right there. I was like, all right, dude. Oh, the ten mistakes before me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't love that he called himself that either, but even without him saying that, I heard from a lot of other people much smarter than me at analyzing draft picks that he was a very good pick at that sixth spot. If he's got some sort of chip on his shoulder that he wants to prove himself, that adds an extra fuel to the fire, if you will, and hopefully he can make that into something. Uh, Tay Allen could be the steal of the draft, just in general. Uh, this guy... 20, allowed a 26.6 passer rating allowed in single coverage since 2019, otherwise known as the second lowest in college football. PFF had him as a top 100 player, and he allowed 25 yards or fewer nine of his 12 games played at UCF. Uh, what that means to me is he literally got all the best guys, and he shut them down. And – UCF, def, again, not Power 5, but... Hey, but they're the 2017 national champs, so put some respect on their name. No, but JUCO guy. What does yeah, that mean? He was in Kansas, played JUCO in Kansas for two years. Dude, yeah, bro. he's a ju- That means he loves the game, bro. I think he could fit really well with the defense. I think he could even get playing time today, or this, this year, which as a six-round pick is like... I, unimaginable yeah yeah so we'll see what he turns into but i think he's a very low risk high reward pick for where he was you know late sixth round um definitely somebody that has proven himself even in a non-power five conference and so i i think if he doesn't work out oh well you're not gonna lose sleep over a six round corner pit that didn't pan out and if he does end up providing anything for your team that's a win 
hundred percent. But I mean, just seeing that he literally is a lock, he's a lockdown corner. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I just think it's weird that he was only as like a sixth round, seventh round guy to be honest. When PFF has him as a top one hundred guy, so it's just weird how again it's it's always weird how people evaluate differently. Um, but. He's definitely a work in progress, but he's got the speed and the, and the strength and the playmaking ability to be an impact player for sure. I'm also noticing another trend in this draft queue. So apparently Steve Kime, at least in 2021, really likes the American Football Conference. Yes, he does. <laughs> the next pick, round seven, James Wiggins is a safety from Cincinnati. So he took someone from UCF, Cincinnati, and our first-round pick from Tulsa. So that's three out of the seven guys from a non-Power 5 conference, which is very interesting. I think, uh, you know, I don't know if there's any intent to that, if people really look into that, or if they just like the players they like and they don't really pay attention to the conference. But So he's a safety drafted in the seventh round. He was our first pick in the seventh round. I, um, I don't really know much about him. I know Cincinnati was a legit, legit team this year, like, they're I know really they're not sure. power five, but they were super good, um, and they really competed with any of the non-power five opponents. I think they could have played against. So he was their starting safety. I, I don't really know much beyond that about where he's going to go or what his potential is. But uh, you know, it's a seventh round, so put a sticker out on it. Well, he's from South Dade, Miami. Let's put that there. Um, oh, Rick Ross territory, dude. Just he came out of the jungle, like almost legitimately. Um, dude, that's Kimbo Slice territory, is what that is. Um, <laughs> he's six foot 205 safety. He models his game basically off Buddha Baker. He is a legit player. The only time I really remember seeing him is he had a big pick six to win the game against SMU. Oh, yeah, um, I remember that. Yeah, and so, but. He had a torn ACL issue, which is why he dropped so far. Um, but I like the pick also, honestly. I think even if he becomes our – because who even knows who these free safeties are? Like, obviously, the strong safety is Buddha. All these other free safeties that we have for, like, the last seven years, I don't even know who they are. So I, could, I couldn't name them. If you were, like, that I, in my head, I have no dude, idea. Literally, I, I was like, we play with two safeties, right? And then I, like, <laughs> no, literally – I literally thought for a second, am I the Buddha? Um, (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. He hits hard. He hits hard. He hits hard. And he's very much Buddha-esque, where he plays pretty much exactly the way Buddha plays, which is he hits hard. (laughs) So (laughs) there's really nothing to say there after that. But he's from Miami-Dade, so that makes me feel like he's he's here to play. He's not. He's here to win. Um. And I, I think the biggest thing that I saw is if he didn't have ACL tear in the 2019 season, he would have gone higher. And then uh, we rounded off the last pick for the Cardinals in the seventh round, Michael Minnett. He's the center at Penn State. So we had mostly defensive players, the wide receiver and Rondell Moore in the second round, obviously. And then he's the only other non-defensive player drafted. And he was our last pick in the draft. And he's the, the center. So I, I don't know if that was really a position of need for us, you know, to be honest, I know the center is a hugely important position, but we have a center right now, right? 
Yeah, I mean, he's a seventh-round pick, though. Like, um, he's a two-time Penn State captain. That's a big plus. Obviously, really smart being a center. Um, but, yeah, again, with, like, some of these picks, it's not that I don't like the players or whatever. I just – I'm like, what do we – but, like, why? I yeah. guess. He definitely is an impact player. I mean, he played at Penn State, a top division football – D1 football player. He's 6'4", 300 pounds. He's really smart. Uh, and if he can learn from Rodney Hudson and potentially fill in some O-line depth at the guard position this year, or maybe if Hudson goes out, I don't really know exactly what their plan is with him. But, you know, I don't even know what make a team. So That's true. Yeah, the, these, Although, these, these later round guys, it's definitely – it's not a guarantee for sure that they're going to be on the team. They're the type that have to prove themselves at camp to get to get a spot on the final roster. Yeah, well, so that's what's interesting with all these four through seven round guys. It's like they might not even be the team in two months. Um, right. So, like, I, I do like the potential, but, I mean, it gives a frick about potential to your point. But also I see here that he actually had a few guys have him as a fourth round pick projected. So, considering we got him in the seventh round, maybe that is ideal. I don't know. He could be – maybe he's good. <laughs> I don't know. I know. Uh, Although, okay, also, um, the undrafted free agent that we picked up, tight end, Kerry Angeline, number six of the North Carolina State Wolfpack, who is 6'7". So the, the thing that I thought there was interesting is, like, if they thought they could get him here the whole time, I see now why we didn't draft uh, Freeman, the other tight end that went, like, in the second or third round. Uh, because all we – like, the Cliff Kingsbury offense doesn't really – want a tight end almost they, yeah they don't need a traditional tight end for the type like, of offense he likes to run right like and i see like and then if you if you say that then it makes sense why you draft rent rondell more in the second round because you definitely need the wide receiver depth there as well as two slot guys but so that would make a lot more sense um but also having a six seven guy who can catch touchdowns um he was definitely an effective part of the north carolina state offense which North Carolina State, who cares? Yeah, man, I think overall, Steve Kime is drafting is definitely his weakest ability. It's not something he's traditionally very good at. So I think if you manage your expectations with him and know what you're getting into, you have a lot different outlook about the drafts. So for me, at least, I don't see, I see this draft as a win overall because it could have been a lot worse. I don't think it was a perfect draft by any measure. Um, I like a, we kind of touched on the Rondell Moore. Hopefully, it works out, but it, that was an interesting pick for me at where it was. But I really like the Marco Wilson pick that kind of balances that out. So I think overall, this was a very safe draft by time. And I'm interested to see if these rookies that we drafted can add anything to the guys that we've signed and kind of come to a more cohesive team when the season starts and get on the track to a playoff push this year? Uh, I don't really have a problem with any players they picked. I think that there's definitely some potential corners. I think if you, I think for the corner position specifically, the fact that you missed out on J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertain, Caleb Farley has way too many injuries, and it's just like, like I thought the fact that we didn't draft Caleb Farley was almost a win on the draft by itself. So I thought that was huge. I do like what he did there, but my biggest thing is just like I don't really, I don't really see the, the drafting philosophy of Steve Kahn. Just doesn't really make sense to me. 
because we definitely had some clear issues. And if we're really trying to win, like, this year, the only guys that are going to help outside of, you know, potentially a breakout season by Marco Wilson or Tate Gowan um, is Randall Moore, who, again, is basically just a weapon. He's Chase Edmonds' wide receiver form. And Zayvon Collins, you know, if he can get playing time. So, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like the draft really changed anything except, like, like making me feel better about the season going forward, at least. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if the draft changed anything for me in terms of this season because I think a lot of the defensive guys we picked are more of a long-term chance than an immediate impact chance. So I don't know how much, you know, I didn't leave this weekend going, oh, now we're definitely in contention for the playoffs. I think we were kind of at the same level as before. I just kind of think the pieces we drafted this year on the defensive end have a chance down the road if this team can continue to be successful and doesn't need to be blown up and rebuilt at any point in time with time and Cliff being gone at that point, if that were the case. All right. What's your, what's your grade on overall feel of the team? right now like the impact of the draft had as far as like how you feel we stacked up in the division right now oh compared to before the draft yeah i'll c plus i guess okay you know not not terrible but i don't think it added a ton of at least for me value in in how we go up against the rams and the niners and the seahawks got you I feel like this – I feel like depending on which way it goes, it could be like a D, but it could also be like an A++. Because Rondell Moore, if they can figure out a way to make him Cooper Cup-esque, where like he's just a weapon all over the place, um, as well as potentially giving space for AJ – more space for AJ Green and DeAndre Hopkins, I think that is like – that would be insane. And then for Zayvon Collins, I'm not really sure how to feel about the linebacker core because I don't really, I didn't really see linebacker as a need. But if Zayvon Collins being drafted means that Isaiah Simmons is going to be playing now, that's an A plus plus as well. Yeah, I want to see Simmons out there this year for sure. Yeah, I don't I don't know why Vance Joseph didn't play him. Like he must have been a total fatata to not be able to get the playbook right or something. Because literally every time he played, he made a play. So if those two things happen, I think that this. This draft is awesome. Um, and then if Marco Wilson and Tay Gowan or any of those guys become anything, I think that's massive. Yeah, um, that, that, that'll determine it, I think, definitely. If, if any one of those corners becomes a serviceable cornerback for us in the future, that's a huge pickup as late as we got him. But I do think that they're tra- – I, I think by picking both those guys and those guys both being like literally the same type of corner, I think that they're wanting one of them to play this year. So – it will be interesting to see, though, as the training camp rolls out. But I don't know, man. Interesting times, interesting times. But I do see the potential here for maybe a few breakout guys. But I would have loved more if we went and got stuff on Gilmore and cleared up some cap space and got some more guys. That's because we're in the win this year, win next year, win the year after business. We're not in the win four years from now business. So. If you're Steve Kahn, it's this year or you're done, bro. And I think that or, – or maybe he's not feeling the heat. I don't know. I guess that would be the other thing. Yeah, man. And I think we'll definitely see what happens with that. But, Cuse, this has been really fun doing this uh, draft day special pod with you, man. 
Yeah, bro, dude, I'm all, I'm all about it, bro. I'm all about it. I loved it. You know, the Dry Heat podcast draft edition was pretty fire. Was pretty fire, bro. Yeah, dude. I'll see you Thursday, Big Dog. As always, brought to you by our unofficial official sponsor, Canadian Mist. And uh, this draft day special edition sponsor, C4 Blue Raspberry, brought to you by Big Pump Alicons. <laughs> Appreciate it, bro. Later. All right, later, Scanner.